This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyhawk. Hello and welcome to another cup of Earl Grey. I'm your host for today's episode, Lee Hutchinson, and joining me as always is Amy Nelson. How are you, Amy? I'm doing great. Just trying to stay cool when the hot summers of Vegas are here. You're always cool, Amy. <laughs> and, I've, and someone a bit less cool, uh, the, the gamer of the, the trio, Richard. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not too bad. It's, it's been a, I've just been on a stag weekend. So uh, yeah, I'm just sort of coming back to life now. But So I'm excited to, to do this topic. And of course, we've got Justin Ozer as well, co- associate producer and content manager for Trek FM. How are you, Justin? Hi, great to be here. Well, I'm preparing all the details I need to attend uh, Star Trek Las Vegas in, in a little bit, so excited, maybe a little nervous about that because I've never been to a Star Trek convention before, so I think I'm in for oh, you'll for it. a lot. <laughs> you'll, you'll have Amy to hold your hand. I'm sure, uh, sure she'll be an amazing tour guide to, to an amazing city and an amazing convention. Yeah, definitely. And uh, while we're at it as well, you, you know, associate producer of Earl Grey, content manager for Trek FM, you're now going to be one of the new co-hosts of uh, Earl Grey. Unfortunately, I will be having to step back. I'll be here and there, maybe a guest appearances, but unfortunately, life has just got too manic for me. I'm going to be moving home and uh, so much on the horizon for personal projects and work. And just sadly, wasn't going to be a commitment that I could make for the foreseeable future. So thankfully, Justin is going to be stepping in from, from this episode onwards so hopefully you'll enjoy my uh, my little hot seat yeah well i'm excited to uh to be a co-host on on earl gray i mean i'm sorry i won't be able to hear you each week on on uh earl gray but hopefully we'll you know get you back to to guest every every now and again and uh hopefully everything goes well with all the stuff you're busy with in your life Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it, but yeah, like you know, it's just been just been such a manic, even kind of the past few months, and just now kind of having bought a place and kind of having to be decorating it, and gonna be without internet for a few while, and it just seemed like a kind of a time to just take a little step back and focus on some sort of DIY and personal projects, and then you know, like you've been amazing on all the the episodes you you filled in for all three of us really when we've been on holiday, so I can't think of a better person to to fill the void. So it feels like you're already a member of the the crew so i'm sure you'll uh, you'll ease in and enjoy the bigger quarters oh thank you i'm i'm honored and i just hope that i can uh i can uh you know 
be up to the standard that you've already set on Earl Grey. Yeah, you're, you're, too, you're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> so um, because it's my uh, last episode, as it were, um, I, I've chosen the topic for this week. And I've gone for something a little bit different, which is not unsurprising to, to our usual listeners. Um, I'm going to go back to 1987, not just the year I was born, but obviously the year Next Generation came into being. And... Star Trek The Next Generation was the first Star Trek TV series in a long time and Gene Roddenberry wanted to get people's brains firing thinking about sci-fi and different ideas that they could potentially do and he decided to show them a bunch of movies on the Paramount lot to kind of get them thinking about what sci-fi was like in the 80s and see if he could kind of generate some ideas. Blade Runner was one of the movies but one of the movies that caught my eyes when I was reading about this was Aliens. And I was wondering, why aliens? And what could they have got out of watching aliens? So I want to explore one of the biggest connections, I think, between the next generation and aliens. And that's Tasha Yar and Vasquez. And we're going to kind of talk about maybe some extra things that they might have been inspired from watching aliens, perhaps androids. And we're going to just kind of dive in and see what we were inspired by or what the crew might have been inspired by by watching this movie. So, as I said, Vasquez is clearly the biggest influence to come out of this screening. Now, did you guys see much of Tasha Yar and Vasquez? I mean, Vasquez, for anyone that's not seen Aliens, is a space marine and she's a tough talking, she's not taking any nonsense from anyone, you know, hard as bones character. And there's definitely parallels to be seen with Tasha Yar. Was that parallels that you saw, Justin? Well, I, I just want to say first... I- I actually hadn't seen Aliens until yesterday. <laughs> so My it's... God, I'm so jealous oh of you and baffled at the same time. Wait, 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 wait. But before we go to the comparison, what do you think yeah. of it? Well, I, I have to, here's here's what I'll say about it. So I think have it's... Have you seen Aliens? Have you seen Alien firstly? Uh, yes, I, I, I did okay, see it as a kid, okay. but I saw it many, many years ago and it scared uh-huh. the hell out of me. But <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. I'm sure it did many people. Yes, agreed. Yeah, so, so here's what I have to say about Aliens having watched it yesterday. So, I think it's it's really very good at what it's going for, but what it's going for isn't the kind of thing <clears throat> that I tend to, to seek out, which is kind of like a sci-fi horror movie. So I actually enjoyed the first hour quite a bit, getting to know the characters, kind of reorienting myself in, in this um, Aliens universe. Um, but when it got to the point where it was like, all right, we got to track down all of these creatures and kill them all, that just doesn't tend to be my thing. But I can tell it's really good at what it's doing, you know, but it's not my kind of thing that I usually seek out. Um, but I, I did find it very interesting to look at it from the perspective of, of Vasquez inspiring Tasha Yard because I'd read about that, but I had never seen it, didn't know the characters. So I'm looking forward to the the, the conversation that we'll, we'll have on that. But I have to say like the last hour and a half wasn't really my thing, unfortunately. Sorry, Lee. <laughs> That's okay. You're welcome to your opinion. Just, I would be a bit weird about telling that to James Cameron. He might hunt you down. Sure. Um, but um, I, 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 well, I do like some James Cameron things. I love Avatar, but you know, it, it's going for a different kind of thing. You know, that's more. Avatar it, is the, I love Avatar. <laughs> yeah, but but for me, that's going for a more Star Trek kind of thing in in Avatar in in a lot of ways. So, but anyway, that's that's kind of how I saw it. Excellent. So, um, and what about yourself, Richard? Are you a fan, or have you seen Aliens before? I can recite that entire movie almost word by word. 
<laughs> I love Aliens. It's been a movie. I can't remember the first time I watched it, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, it was a very, very long time ago. I know it scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Um, but uh, it, it's just been a movie that it's, to me, it's in my top 10. It's probably, it's actually in my top five, actually, um, of my all-time favorite movies, uh, along with Avatar is one of them, because I absolutely love Avatar. It's just a great film, regardless of what my fiance says. Um, but, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, honestly, I, I know that, uh, I know you, uh, you, you weren't looking for the parts, um, the parts of the movie that you weren't looking for, Justin, are the parts I love. <laughs> I, I thought uh, you might say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like Starship Troopers. I love, I love a good alien bug hunt sort of shooting, uh, su- uh, shooting kind of movie. And it's just, I mean, watching over, actually Jennifer and I watched it, uh, two days ago and, um, it was the first time she ever watched it too. Yeah. She didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, and she loves it. She loves, uh, Sci- or I'm sorry, she loves action movies and military movies just like I do. But when you combine the do uh, combine the two, yeah, that's where she draws a line apparently. So yeah, but um, I absolutely love this movie. This movie is a great example of great, uh, uh, great uh, cinema. It, it's it's one of the best. I think it is. <laughs> and what about yourself, Amy? Rich's waxing lyrical about aliens. There, if you were seeing this movie in 1987 with Gene Roddenberry. Would you have thought it was a good movie? Yes, definitely. Um, I enjoyed Aliens, and I do remember seeing it, and yeah, it scared me. I was just so young, and uh, again, not that familiar with that kind of sci-fi, but I did a podcast on the 602, and I signed up with Matthew, and it was Alien. And I was like, oh yeah, I love Aliens. This is the one where she saves the little girl and did it. And then come to find out it was Alien. And I was like, wait, this isn't what I signed up for. I didn't even know there was an Alien because I saw Aliens and loved it and was so excited. And so I did the podcast and it was fine. But and it was good because I had my brother watching it with me and he owns them all. And so he was like, OK, so this is Alien. I, we watched it in prep for the 602 Club. And I was like, but this isn't the one that I know. And so then we immediately watched Aliens and I was like, oh, yes, this is all familiar. I I really enjoyed Ripley and the whole storyline with the little girl and, you know, the Marines or whatever, those coming in to, you know, it. I thought it was a very good story. So I'm glad that we're covering it today. Yeah, like um, I, I also love Aliens. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Alien. You can obviously see that from my my Twitter and Instagram handle. Um love the Nostromo um, like I love Aliens I've watched it so many times and I've been lucky to see it on like the big screen on at least five times um, I'm just mad for it I was I was really lucky last year to see it at the, the Royal Albert Hall here in um, the UK and um, perform with a live orchestra it was the first time that performance had ever been done and at the end completely unannounced James Cameron Gail Ann Hurd the producer and Sigourney Weaver came out and my little mind was just like freaking out I could not believe it um so yeah I, I love aliens and um yeah if I was watching this with Gene Roddenberry I would be 
buzzing about being able to create a new sci-fi series there's, there's just so much to be inspired by here and um, so much technology some ideas and stuff but um, obviously the big takeaway for me is the parallels between Tash, Yar and Vasquez um, for yourself um, Justin you obviously knew this was the topic we were going in for so you're probably watching this movie with an eye on Vasquez and Tash Yar did you see that parallel going in or did you think I've been invited onto a topic here and I think this makes no sense at all I th- I think it does. I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense, but like, I think w- one of the things I was getting at is that, you know, this universe that's in, you know, the alien movies is quite a different universe than the, the Star Trek universe, especially in the next generation. So I think that you can't quite have that that same kind of of uh, of character. Although, interestingly, when I was when I was watching it, I was like, "Man, she just wants. She's kind of like cool, calm, combat ready. You know, ready to to fire and kill whoever." This actually seems more like Worf than Tasha. You know, mm. <laughs> um, but I, I did see I did see some some of that inspiration though, because you know uh, Tasha was. Um, you know the the head security and and tactical officer, which was something a little bit different for for a female Star Trek character at the time, um, and and she she was pretty strong and pretty calm and confident at security when she got the chance to do it within you know the twenty three episodes she was in. I mean, she's somebody they would see an all powerful being like Q and want to to confront him and and do something about it. And I was just making notes on some of the things, and also <clears throat> even though it's. I think a rightly much maligned episode in Code of Honor, you get to see her martial arts expertise and that she can really, you know, kick butt. So I could definitely see some of the parallels, but it was funny that I was I was seeing that attitude and I was like, man, this is like war for like a Klingon that's just like ready for battle, you know? Yeah, Lee, hmm. you just described when you asked Justin, uh, what are we talking about? So I also watched the movie again and I was like, what does Lee even see? Okay, so here are my notes. What do they have in common? Well, they both have short hair. I, that was about as much <laughs> as I could, <laughs> I could muster because watching Vasquez, like she's almost insubordinate. Like if she's given an order, there's always under her breath some kind of maligned remark and, you know, sort of questioning and why am I going to do this? And, and the interplay that she has is sort of negative. I, I guess loving, I, without being in combat myself, I don't know that uh, interpersonal relationship that um, officers or, you know, soldiers have with each other. But man, she was dishing it out and, you know, just sort of harsh to everyone. And I don't know if that was part of her defense because, you know, she has so much to prove being a woman and in a combat area but I I'm interested to see because it just she was under her breath always questioning always making rude comments and with Tasha we don't see that I don't know if that's because it's on TV versus a movie or that she had more respect for 
you know, chain of command and what have you. So those were my initial thoughts. Well, one thing I, we haven't given some of the background on this. So when they were first creating the character of Yar, it was actually a character named Macha Hernandez. And if you take a look at the description that they have, I think, and I can pull it up here in a minute, I think they have more of a parallel to, to, to Vasquez, like this really like tough, no nonsense Latina woman. And when they had to, when they were kind of going through it and they cast Denise Crosby, they changed the background of the character changed the name to Tasha Yar and made it, a, I think, a little bit different character. They actually changed the the description that they had in, in the show Bible for it. So I think what they were thinking early on may have been a little bit closer for, from what I've read. Well, and we do know the original, you know, it was going to be Marina Sirtis that was going to play you know, maybe that would have gone well, more she, in line. She was one of the people that was considered, but I think even before that, they they were were seeing the character a little bit differently. Yeah, because on that that kind of the, the audition call sheet uh, for uh, for Hernandez, they noticed a and I quote a Jeanette Goldstein type, um, and that's also the actress that played Va- Vasquez. So pretty much, they're going. We want someone that's just like Vasquez to play Tasha Yar. And that was in those, those kind of original call sheets. And obviously, um, Goldstein herself ended up appearing in Star Trek Generations as uh, one of the officers on uh, the yeah. Enterprise B. So she got there eventually. So th- they were definitely keen to find someone that was pretty much in that vein. And obviously just in the casting process, they ultimately compromised and went with Denise Crosby. Well, originally Marina Sirs was kind of to play Yar. Um, right. So yeah, there's definitely kind of a, an interesting story to be told with the, the casting of Tasha Yar. Yeah, is it okay if I if I kind of read out yeah, what I have from Memory away. Alpha on? Yeah. Yeah, so originally they, they had the character as Lieutenant Macha Hernandez, 26-year-old woman of unspecified Latin descent who serves as the Starship Security Chief. She is described as having a new quality of conditioned body beauty, and that's all with dashes together, a fire in her eyes, and muscularly well-developed and very female body, but keeping in mind that much of her strength comes from attitude. Macha has an almost obsessive devotion to protecting the ship and its crew and treats Captain Picard and number one as if they were saints. I don't know about that last part about as if they were saints, but for the most part, like down to that point, that that is a very much a Vasquez-like character. But then later on when they when they a couple months later when they revised the character to, to Tasha Yard, they described her as the Starship Security Chief Tasha, who performs that same function both aboard ship and on away missions. Born at a failed Earth colony of renegades and other violent undesirables, she escaped to Earth in her teens and discovered Starfleet, which she still worships today as the complete opposite of all the ugliness she once knew. So they gave this backstory of uh, of Yar being on this failed terrible colony of course later they they brought in you know the rape gangs and and all of that so i think it becomes quite a different character from what they were originally consider, considering in late 1986, which I think was much closer to, to Vasquez and Aliens. Absolutely. And what about yourself, Richard? You, obviously, we, we all know about your military uh, military eye. When you were watching this movie, which, as you say, you love, did you see much of Tasha Yar and Vasquez, or did you see a kind of origin of that character? I, I saw a lot. <laughs> and, uh, okay, so I understand that, uh, yeah, she's insubordinate, and given that uh, Lieutenant Gorman was uh, was like inexperienced, and that's part of the reason. And you don't really necessarily have to um, be in combat to understand the dynamics of the military, because a lot of them were pretty much the same. Uh, like you know, teaching is uh, you know hierarchies and all that kind of stuff. Um, but like, I mean, the way I saw it is that 
I hate to say it myself. I probably wouldn't. I would probably wouldn't follow someone that's been only been on like two combat drops, and that was the second one. <laughs> but like, uh, I mean, especially when everything goes down, and you know, you're in a firefight, you're you're gonna listen to the person who has the most experience, and also the one who you trust the most. Um, so I really think that she's uh, she's very loyal to those who are around her. I think it's a perf. It was a perfect example uh, for Tasha Yar because. In a security environment, you have to trust the people that are, that are around you. I mean, you guys are, in a sense, going into life-threatening uh, positions, whereas, you know, science may not always be like that, or or even engineering uh, sometimes might not always be like that. Obviously, you'll have that trust, but with security, you one person messes up, the chances are most of you will probably die. Um, but, like... Yeah, I I see. I would. Oh man, I I was actually reading that um, the the first who who was going to be Tasha Yar. I would have loved to seen a fiery Latina there. That would have been awesome. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I guess um, she's she. Oh, I I just I I could I could even imagine what it would be like because it would be awesome all the time and maybe TNG would be my all-time favorite forever. <laughs> well, you know when I, I was know. when I was thinking about this and and that that kind of, you know, fiery character, I actually thought of Kira on, on mm-hmm. Deep Space 9. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think she might be the closest thing that we've gotten to uh, a Vasquez like character that nobody wants to to mess with Kira, you know. Um, she's for sure insubordinate. <laughs> and she could for sure be insubordinate and and uh, and you know kind of go her her own way and had all of these fighting skills and and things like that. So, that's one of the things Things that I thought about, but but for one of the things I was impressed in looking at the Vasquez character in, in Aliens is that she's calm, she's confident, she's going to do her job, even when some of these other guys are like breaking down. They're like, "Oh man, I don't know if I can do this," and she's like, "Come on, we got to just do this," and she does it like up until up until the very end. And Yar is kind of a a, a similar kind of character in in that way. She's she's not really going to break. She's going to do her job. She's even going to challenge Picard when when she has to for the safety and security of the ship so I can definitely see some of that in Yar and what about for yourself Amy that Vasquez and uh, is you know one of the strongest female characters in kind of movie uh, movie history do you feel that they obviously if they're trying to achieve that kind of goal with the next generation do you feel Tasha Yar kind of comes up to that kind of high standard as a kind of female empowerment figure or does she fall kind of a bit flat no I think she does show you know, that power and cause she, I think that she does a good job in owning that character and owning the role as security. I mean, she's very, um, I mean, she's, she go gets it. If something is going to like when Q comes on the bridge, man, she's ready to leap and get in front of and protect her captain captain and, and protect the crew. I mean, you definitely see that she's, uh, very avid about that. And she has the power, um, within her role. And I think she's comfortable in giving commands, um, to others and yeah, like in code of honor, she definitely can fight. Um, so I, I think that she shows, that inner power that she needs to to be security, uh, you know, head of security and as a female. Are we referencing a bad episode? I know. I don't know what Richard loves more, Code of Honor or uh, the fact uh, of a strong female Latino characters. No, I just love that we're just bringing it up. That's all. <laughs> 
Well, it's it's a good example of 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 her fierceness right. and fighting skills. So, yeah, yeah, she does not back down at all. Yeah. But but yeah, she's certainly not the problem with that episode. No, no, no. That's no. right. But no, but I I think the writers and producers of of TNG struggled with it though because they I think they were thinking they didn't want to go too far in in a certain direction. So you have examples like the Naked Now where she's you know thinking about being so feminine and trying on clothes and all of that, which I think it very much cuts against what the character should be. But I mean, for the most part, they do show her as strong. But I think even the writers and producers then were struggling with it. Like, we don't want to go too far. But what I respect in Aliens is they're like, we're just going to go all the way with it. She's just going to kick ass. She's not going to worry about what people think about her or her appearance or anything like that. She's just going to go with it. And I I appreciate that. But there are parts... um, that you see for for Yar's character where they kind of cut against that, unfortunately. Well, and I think, like I said, that shows sort of her being a woman and having it all, basically, when I when I see that, you know. And, and yes, she is strong and, and is over protection of the whole enterprise, but yet she still has that femininity. And it may be a product of the time and that it's a series, whereas a movie you have, here it is, it comes out, it's a one time, we want the viewers. Well, on a TV series, we need to have the viewers for the long haul. And so to not alienate, i.e. the male dominated viewers we need to have her and maybe i'm making assumptions but you know we need to show her more feminine to keep the male viewers more interested is what i was thinking i suppose there's always a point as well that with them um, tashi we know she grew up on a planet where there was there was rape gangs which is quite a quite a bold and striking thing to you know be mentioned at all in star trek and then she's the first character within the first episode after the pilot to you know have consensual sex with a character well under the influence it kind of jars with that sort of information that you feel that if this is a person that's been uh, you know subjected to something so horrific and like you know that would really kind of twist and change your views on kind of sex and sexuality to then have her in this episode even under the influence to be someone that's so willing to be you know loved or kind of to have sex that always strikes me as a bit odd it strikes me as very much male fantasy uh, with the writing yeah yeah and i mean it's the kind of thing that you know unfortunately you might see a lot with certain female characters they've been you know uh, damaged in some way by something violent and i i think it's actually an unfortunate part of her backstory sure it could be something that that could actually happen but you know it's it's not the kind of thing i think back then they would ever put into you know a a male character's backstory it's it's something that they wanted to like it seems like when they change the character from from being this like you know, fierce Latina character to being Yar as, as a security chief that they wanted to insert in some some vulnerability or reason not to have um, quite the same same edge. I don't know. I've, it's always bothered me that that's part of her her backstory and that you wouldn't see that in a male character. Well, but do you think that she could have had a different backstory? to make her be so strong? I mean, strength yeah, comes I mean, out well, of adversity. You, I don't think she you, could. She, oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I'm okay. So I'm just, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interject, but the only, I mean, I think the if you're going to talk about like a utopian universe where money really isn't the uh, poverty is basically eliminated. I mean, you kind of really have to go to something like that, or at least go to those lengths in order to show how strong she is. I mean, what most, mo, mo, I mean, I don't want to say most, um, a good portion <laughs> of like you know strong women that 
you know, I've only I've heard about and also met, you know, it's usually it deals more with poverty and um, class uh, struggle than anything else. I mean, not saying that uh, people don't go through uh, rape and all that kind of stuff and, and family problems and whatnot. But I'm just saying, like, you something like that uh, that's been eliminated from Star Trek, it kind of, you know, uh, ties your hand behind your back uh, in, no, in for writing. I, I, I'm completely fine if her if her background is she's grown up amidst war and poverty and this and this um, you know violent planet. But to insert the part about about rape gangs, I think is is completely like unnecessary to to do and something that you would at least back then would only do with with a female character i mean you have again the contrast of of kira where she's grown up under this cardassian occupation there's a lot of violence and oppression but they didn't have to insert in there like hey there were these gangs of people running around you know raping people i i think it's just a like an unfortunate um trope that can happen sometimes for for a woman's background and i don't know it 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 just it just bothers me a, a bit about that it's not like a, a huge thing that destroys how i see tasha but it seems like something that's that's happening just so that they can damage her in a certain way yeah. you know it's, th- it's a throwaway line that's not really been given much thought it's sort of like yeah we'll do that as if it's some sort of weird mad max style kind of planet like there's a time and a place for those sorts of kind of things and if you're going to do it you know truly flesh it out and you know you can create an interesting story out of it and something that many people that have perhaps been victims of of assault could relate to but this it's just sort of a throwaway line to seem edgy in what really is a family tv series it, it just seems unnecessary and in terms of like was there any other observations where you was um and just focusing on vasquez that you saw that would become parallels with tashi Yar? i mean for example you know both of them go out in a blaze of glory did one have a bit of a better better exit than the other or were there things where you thought oh I, maybe that was somewhere they could have gone with tasha yar for sure vasquez had a better ending than uh yar did but yeah that's me there's a little more purpose and meaning to exactly. it exactly right? what i always yeah. thought you were an a-hole Riker. put her uh, put her boot right into that alien's face and put a couple bullets in her in, in his head and then die with the <laughs> lieutenant well, what i guess what i mean is like the way that vasquez goes out it's it's part of accomplishing the mission and helping everyone to to do their job and to survive and get off the planet and all of that whereas with yar it's kind of a little meaningless and 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 senseless but i mean i i do actually appreciate yar's death because it does tell you how dangerous space can be and that someone could get killed off it at any time but but as far as like the the meaning and and the purpose of it beyond that it's unfortunately not something that that furthers the mission or accomplishes something like like it does for Vasquez. At least that's how I saw it. I don't you, understand. You sounded a bit hesitant there. What were you thinking? Yes, I don't understand. Okay. And it happens with data in Nemesis 2 and but we won't talk Spoilers, about that. Spoilers, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> what if someone so, hasn't seen it in 15 years? Yeah. <laughs> there's someone doing so, like a fir- there's probably someone doing a next generation like first time watching it all the way through and it's like data yeah. dies off, oh, forget it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to watch Game of Thrones instead. <laughs> someone just threw their TV dinner across the room. <laughs> so I don't understand when people say that the, Yard or Data's death was meaningless. She was there protecting the crew and that was her goal. She, and that's what she signed up for. And as did Data, but we will put that aside. She was there protecting the crew the best that she knew how, and she was impulsive and she was, 
her whole heart was in it. So the fact that Armas, you know, killed her, I mean, that's not, I don't see that as meaningless. Yeah, it wasn't really part of the mission, but that was her goal and that was her purpose. And she was going to do everything, include giving her life to protect those people. Yeah, but Guinan and the alternate version of Yar even see it as meaningless. That's what I take it from. And I think that's kind of good in a way. Like, I, I on paper, like, if you're going to kill, and we, we see it all with like, some TV programs these days, and I think Star Trek's always had a bit of a, a ropey history with killing off characters. Um, but I think when you see kind of Tasha Yar's death, like, you watch and you think, oh, that's how they've written off, like, a main character. And it rarely ever happens in Star Trek that they kill a main character. So when it happens, it's a big moment. And, like, for them to go, it's like a sludge monster. It is meaningless. It is pretty terrible but then i kind of like it that it was meaningless and it was just so kind of like blasé like yeah she was just killed like that it was that simple because sometimes that's just the way it goes you know not everyone gets their their perfect exit and you know the death is slightly redeemed by the memorial scene at the end and then uh, subsequently yesterday's enterprise so it's, it's it's an interesting death it's it's unique in how it, it tackles it that's for sure i'll side with you on that one amy it, i don't think it was meaningless either right <laughs> Well, I mean, like, I feel like it has meaning for, for me and the audience because it touches me a lot. And I, 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 I like what that episode is going for. But like within the, 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 the universe, it doesn't have quite as much meaning as it could, which is fine. I mean, because um, people die all the time without having some kind of like, uh, you know, greater meaning to it or blaze of glory or saving someone's life or something like that. It happens all the time. And I appreciate they're kind of pointing up that those kinds of things happen, but I don't think it has quite as, as much meaning. And, and I'm just thinking about meaning in terms of like, you know, you're saving someone's life in that moment or, or accomplishing the, the mission. So... She was saving Trey's life. Trying to save her, save her life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. No wonder I still Amy's don't a big understand. Fan. Yes. <laughs> otherwise, Amy would have just turned off the TV, read it up season two. <laughs> <laughs> she was doing her job and she was protecting the crew the best that she knew how. What uh, what more meaning is that to for a security officer? Phaser fire. Like, yeah. What would you Phaser want fire. to have seen? I mean, I understand, you know, Vasquez and it, I, and I did like that play with Vasquez because she gave Lieutenant Gordman. Gorman, yep. Gordman. She gave him a heck of a time all throughout the movie, and it was I found that ironic that that's who she ended up um, dying with. You know, and so that was pretty cool. And I wish I would have seen like Tasha, you know, in the end with someone. But okay, so that aside, but she was doing her job. And uh, what more meaning? I I don't understand that it's meaningless. I actually. Oh, sorry. I was I actually watched uh, yesterday's Enterprise the other day, and um, it was on TV, and. um, no we were flicking through Netflix actually and um, my girlfriend had mentioned oh I wouldn't mind watching an episode of Star Trek give it a go and I was like oh I'll put on yesterday's Enterprise and um, it became one of those ones like we're talking through and I was like well this character died in this current timeline because of a sludge monster and I was back and you won't believe what happens next so she goes back into the past she has a child who then looks like exactly like her oh my god and it was just her face like okay Right, right, right. Was that right. the right one to show her? Too much, too much, <laughs> too much, too much. Too much. Like, yeah. And how cool does the bridge look? Yeah, it looks, it looks all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we watch Gilmore Girls. So, <laughs> oh dear, tit for tat. Exactly. 
Um, so before we go into some maybe some just other parts of kind of aliens and the next generation crossing over, has anyone got any kind of last comments on the Yar and uh, Vasquez uh, parallels or lack of parallels? Uh, one of the things I was thinking, like, you know, I, I understand the insubordination and all that kind of stuff, but like, you know, it, it is a movie. You can't do you can't show much when it comes to her feminism, because, I mean, I, I could see it. I, I mean, she obviously has that play between the between, you know, her fellow soldiers and whatnot. And, you know, that doesn't come with, you know, meeting someone all of a sudden. I mean, obviously, you have to get uh, used to someone and whatnot. But like, it's also a special bond between soldiers, even even uh, among like males or or even females i'm sure um don't know many female soldiers uh but uh yeah it's just but are you talking about like the talking crap yeah, back and like forth? i mean that comes yeah. with sincerity and uh you know and and they respect her uh they respect her enough to where they don't have to hold her hand and funny enough you know um Granted, there were so many tactically wrong things about that movie that I almost lost it <laughs> the last time I watched it. But um, for the most part, it was good. Um, but like, you don't put your machine gun in the front. Um, anyway, <laughs> I mean, and usually your most experienced person is your machine gunner. And that's ultimately what she was, um, Vasquez was. So, you know, it, it, it obviously shows that she has a, a lot of experience and also trust because you need to have your best gunner um, on that machine gun. And that's how I took it. And that's kind of, the, that's the environment I grew up in the military. Um, is that that's the person you should be looking at, um, to do what you're doing, right. Uh, what you need to do, um, or correctly. So, um, but like, I mean, I absolutely love the, I absolutely love the character. She's just one of the boys and they trust her. That's what, that's what I took from it. So, so, um, obviously, probably Vasquez wasn't the only sort of inspiration the guys took from um, the movie. I mean, one kind of point of interest, I don't know if you picked up on it, Justin, did the score mm-hmm. sound a bit familiar to you? Well, I saw it was James Horner, so yeah. I know he's done stuff in Star Trek. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, what happened with that score is, and it's brilliantly covered on the behind-the-scenes documentary, and, and rest in peace, James Horner, he was brought on so last minute to the movie because it was still being edited and put together that he basically had to reuse most of his Wrath of Khan score. Oh, okay. So next time any of you are watching it, if you've never watched it before, or you've watched it and you've listened to it a hundred times, listen out and you hear so much of that uh, Wrath of Khan score, especially towards the end. Genesis Countdown is pretty much used as the countdown music. So, uh, and frustratingly, he won. It. He was Oscar nominated for this movie and not Wrath of Khan. Um, so oh, pretty much he had wow. like three days to make and score this movie. So he was like, I'll dust off Wrath of Khan. Um, it's, it's brilliantly covered on the behind-the-scenes documentary on Aliens. So apart from nice. that, was there any other things where you thought, oh, this must have gone on to inspire the next generation crew? For example, Bishop and Data, or um, Ripley's mistrust of uh, Bishop uh, having parallels with Pulaski's mistrust of Data. Any sort of these thoughts kind of come to mind, Amy? Yeah, I um, was thinking, you know, how Ripley, and of course that comes from the first movie, Alien, but she does not trust uh, artificials. What what did he prefer to be called, Bishop? Artificial life form. Yeah, artificial life form. And, um, you know, just throughout the movie, how, you know, he proves himself and is a better 
uh, artificial life form than the previous one and stuff like that. And, and you see Ripley, I mean, Bishop saves the day and that solidifies it for Ripley. And I think in the other movies, you know, she continues to trust artificial life forms. And so to see that switch, excuse me, uh, from, you know, Pulaski coming on to her not liking data. He's just a machine and you can see her attitudes and then it transforms throughout the second season. And then he's, she, you know, basically comes to trust data and takes him for what he is and his value to the crew. So I liked seeing that parallel in the shows with the series. Did she ever say that uh, she didn't trust data? I thought she just saw him as a tool. I think I think she says in the right. child is or something similar. Was it? Well, yeah, she says something about. Um, I mean, I think it's clear early on that she doesn't really believe that that he is kind of a sentient life form that he's just a machine. Right. I I I just I, I thought I missed something. I I, I wasn't entirely sure because I. I mean, she yeah. doesn't say that she doesn't trust him. She's she's just has this attitude like everybody thinks you're like everybody else, and oh. I really think you're different. You know, okay. It's just that, not that she doesn't trust her. So I I did pick up on on Bishop, and I thought, wow, this seems very much like a, a data like android. Um, Although, I mean, I wonder if it may have shaped some of it, although I think I've read a lot of the inspiration for Data actually comes from a Gene Roddenberry pilot from the 70s called the Questor Tapes. Um, But, yeah, it was very much a a Data-like character that was kind of uh, dependable. I mean, at least in this incarnation, apparently androids weren't dependable in the first Alien movie. But just dependable and going to get the job done. I I thought it it was really interesting that you have Bishop, like, out there and where he's doing the stuff on the computer and, like, nothing's touching him he's just going to do his thing because they absolutely have to have him you know survive past a certain point and and get there but but yeah it seemed like very much a data like character and 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 i kind of appreciated that a lot although what is with these artificial life forms in this universe do they have like milk for blood i thought that was just really that's an odd thing Lubricant of some sort. Is that just me? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, let's, Very not get into from data. Bl- let's not get into blood or we'll be talking about the pink blood that they have in the Klingon Empire for uh, for 90 minutes one day. No, 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 it's Pepnol Bismol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> So, but yeah, I, I appreciated that and very much reminded me of Data, the Bishop character. Excellent. And and what about yourself, Richard? Did you see anything that could be kind of uh, brought in from that into the next generation? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, a, a lot of his character is, uh, you know, he's very like standoffish, obvious, uh, obviously when someone doesn't want to be approached. And, you know, when it comes to like mission, uh, when it comes to the mission, obviously he's, I'm just going to do what I'm being told and uh, get what I, what I need to be done. And I, I can see a lot of data in it um, for sure that, uh, in the first season because obviously we don't see much humor for him. And I, I, I totally see it. And I wouldn't doubt it if he has um, milk for blood too. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool when Bishop and they egged him on and they had his the hand the and he does the knife around. You know, and that was like, oh, I remember when Data had to put the isolinear chips in the naked now, you know, and how fast he was going. Or, oh, that would have been so or, much cooler with a knife. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Just the super speed, yeah. you know, that was fun. 
I wonder if they keep like a bunch of like uh, cookies around for when uh, these androids explode in the alien and aliens universe where they can just go, oh, Bishop's dead. Oh, go on. Let's get some cookies and just like scoop up his oh, blood God, with a, I like a milk glass. You know what? You know what? No, like, you, did, oh, you not. did not do that. No, no. And that's a goodbye from me. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, you know what? The now cra- we know this is your last. You know what the crazy thing is? What happens to, to Bishop uh, toward the end of Aliens is the thing that disturbed me the most out of anything that happens in that entire movie it gave me like nightmares like nothing else in the movie i could take uh, like seriously in that way or that would scare me but that part i was like oh god i just think about it and it it disturbs me more than anything maybe it's because i love data so much you should watch the blu-ray extras you get to see them trying that about 50 times to try and get it to land correctly (laughs) so you see james cameron and the producers just like chucking this bishop like torso just all around the ship it's and like no again again and then throwing the milk on it and oh it's it's brilliant definitely check that out <laughs> you, could you yeah, imagine if it, it was ni- done you today? call it brilliant it's <laughs> nightmare inducing for me <laughs> that's the best part of the movie <laughs> no, hopefully the milk not. and cookies idea no. makes it seem a better a more <laughs> oh. yeah idea no okay, i'm not gonna be able on. to eat cookies anymore <laughs> thanks i know <laughs> i didn't even put that together uh and now you just ruined it for me <laughs> so does anyone have any final thoughts before we, we wrap up on this topic of uh, uh, Tasha Yar Vasquez and aliens in the next generation along with milk and cookies <laughs> mm, yeah um, well it's nearly bedtime for me I'll be getting the milk and cookies out. Oh. Um, yeah I'll, I'll just give a few uh, of my final thoughts so um, it, it was it was really interesting for me to do this this comparison even though aliens is not my favorite movie i i did like seeing the the vasquez character and as the inspiration for for yard because it's something i'd read about for a while and finally got to do the the comparison I do see some uh, some strong comparisons in how she's always about the the security and the protection of the ship, is willing to you know even confront an omnipotent being like like Q. Um, not as much the insubordination probably, but um, it, it, she's she is a really strong character. I, I think it is a shame that we couldn't see more of Tasha and that she couldn't kind of move forward in in the series. Um, but I think it also is interesting to think about the alternate universe where we got Macha Hernandez as a character with the, the description that I that I read before and what that would have been like. I think it would have been very, very interesting, although I do see that kind of character more like a Kira character from from DS9. But but anyway, I, I really you know, appreciated looking into this and doing the, the, the comparison. So thanks for the topic, Lee. That's, an, that's not a problem. Well, there, it was thanks to the, um, from what's called the, the 50 year journey. It's, it's mentioned in there. It's, it's a really fascinating book into the insight of those early days of, um, the next generation. And I think I've had this idea for, for months and months to like, Oh, I gotta do this episode. Gotta do this episode. So, uh, for my last episode as a full time regular, I, I couldn't think of a better topic and a bunch of folk to, to talk about it with. So yeah. Um, and I'm glad that you got to finally watch aliens. So, uh, yeah, I yep, don't think I've you could have been, you could not have been an all grade regular if you'd never watched aliens. I would just, I would have had to, <laughs> had to step in and, and get that the test. I second okay. that. I second that. Have you seen any other alien movies or just alien and aliens? Just alien and aliens. I mean, Ooh. again, like it's not my kind of, of, of genre, kind of like a sci-fi horror kind of genre. So it's not the kind of thing I seek out. 
Well, you're going to love the next topic where Richard tries to find the connections between Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Prometheus, Alien Covenant, Alien vs. Predator, Alien vs. Predator, Requiem, and the next generation. So look out for that, uh, Justin. <laughs> Sweet, I'm excited. <laughs> I, so, I hope there aren't any connections. <laughs> we'll, we'll find one. We'll find one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll find a tenuous one. So it's been fun talking about Tasha Yar today, but this isn't the only thing we've been discussing here on the network. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek.fm. Previously on Trek.fm, Warp 5. I just thought, you know, those are where, of course, some of the other Enterprise references come up. He was a Mako. He fought in those Indian Romulan Wars. I really like that that background and that tie-in. And it makes sense that, you know, over the course of a hundred years, that somebody's going to kind of go a little crazy and and, you know, get to this point where they're just, you know seething for some for some kind of revenge or, or something so the ready room of all the things people to, to wonder about and question and be concerned about canon and visual canon on discovery the klingons haven't concerned me that much because i think the klingons are ripe and long overdue for you know for lack of a better term some species diversity and one of the things that star trek is is prey to and people acknowledge it, but still, we wish it wasn't a limiting factor. It was TV budgets. The 602 Club. That emotional core, uh, and, and I, I tie that too with the, the mentors that Peter doesn't have throughout the film. There's nobody there to pick up that Uncle Ben slack. And introducing The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. What have you done out there on the edge of Federation space? Welcome to The Edge, Trek FM's brand new podcast where we dive into the final frontier of the newest Star Trek series, Star Trek Discovery. The first Star Trek series to be on air in 12 and a half years, something like that. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcast on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and also in most uh, third-party apps. And you can stream and download the MP3 from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send uh, to a show and select Earl Grey that will come right to us. You will also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook, facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Amy, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on The Edge, which is Trek FM's podcast on Star Trek Discovery. Yay! So I'm there as one of the co-hosts with Aaron, Brandon, and Mike. And you can find me at Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson. But my favorite place is the Babel Conference, so you can find me there. Uh, Richard, what about you? 
Uh, everyone can also find me on uh, Facebook. I also pop in here and there in the Babel Conference. Um, and I'm also on Twitter, and my handle is xransom. How about yourself, Justin? Where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at trekfan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. And currently, I'm tweeting out my rewatch of TNG Season 3. See, and you you're can also- on brand. You're on brand. <laughs> and I have been for a couple of months. Hooray. Yes, it's been so fun to see your <laughs> tweets. Thank you. I've, I've, I've loved going through TNG again. It's my fifth time through. Uh, you can also find me on in the Babel Conference on Facebook. And Lee, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me not on Earl Grey uh, for the next wee while, but I'm sure I'll be a guest here and there. Um, I will be on The Edge with Amy next weekend, um, and I'll be on an episode of 602 Clubs coming up soon. Um, and I'll just be here and there um, for the next wee while. Um, but you can find me on my other podcast, Filibuster, talking about nerd and geek culture. And you can probably find me covered in paint and splinters as I decorate and build up my own home. So uh, that will be my uh, my next few months so i will be around yes and um lee i just want to say it's been so wonderful to get to know you and podcast with you uh you uh, funny thing on from there to here uh you and richard were the only people that i uh, appeared on that podcast with and then when i was asked to join earl gray with you two i was like oh perfect i've already podcast with them i know them i feel like it's comfortable and i just wanted to thank you so much for uh, making my first podcast uh very enjoyable and i'm just gonna miss you tons well, um, I'll never be too far away and stuff that we'll always have the group chat. It- yes. <laughs> uh, great tea. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, if you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trekfm. To get all the details, you get early access to our episodes, which it was early released last week. I was so happy. Uh, You get exclusive content, producer credits like Justin and more available through our special patrons website, website, patron, sorry, patron zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month, and we really appreciate any support you can give us and hope that you will join the team. Again, you can find details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We would like to take this time to appreciate our associate producers, Michael Huter and Justin Ozer. Thank you so much for supporting Earl Grey. Cheers, Justin. Oh, glad to support Earl Grey and now be a co-host. Wow. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure, eh? Uh, Yeah. I I can't just guest every once in a while and, you know, prepare for months. I need to do it every week. Now you have to see us every week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love seeing you guys every week. It's just, you know, watching this stuff and making my notes and and, uh, making sure I can do that during each week. I'm sure I'm watching aliens as well. And watching random movies I haven't seen. But no, no, sorry. Not random movies. Watching yes. movies that other hosts want to see. There you go. <laughs> oh, I'll throw in a movie here and there that maybe maybe uh, you guys won't want to see. So we'll see how that goes. There you go. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Today is a good day to die. 
great joy and gratitude. Make it so. Five card stud, nothing wild, and the sky's the limit.